I'm going to share this morning. Um, I, uh, I'd love just to start by reading Isaiah, Isaiah 58, a few verses from Isaiah 58. Um, really tempted to go from the start, but it's quite a chunky passage. Um, but, I'll, but I'm just going to read from the from, uh, second half of verse 9 right through to uh, the end of verse 12 or so. Um, so if you have your Bible or you have your phone, um, follow, follow along with me if you want. Um, but I want to encourage you to go back, flick back through it, uh, this verse, especially as we're considering fasting every Wednesday over, uh, over the month of January. And, um, and you'll be incredibly challenged, incredibly provoked by what um, the, the type of fasting that, uh, that the Lord is inviting us to engage in. But anyway, on down, uh, continuing to speak about this type of fasting, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourself on behalf of, of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, I, I've just been struck by that language. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. And he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Um, that's beautiful language, isn't it? So the last couple of weeks, uh, Amy, Amy, uh, a couple of weeks back, um, spoke about homemaking. Uh, and then last week, David um, spoke around this idea of belonging. And so I think some of these verses that, uh, that I've read seem, um, I feel like they're a bit of a, what the guys have done over the last couple of weeks that uh, provided a bit of a platform to maybe what I would want to share uh, based around some of these verses that we've read this morning. There's a version that when speaking of Isaiah 58 verse 12 says, make the community livable again. Make the community livable again. And so it's just this language, it's just this rebuild the ancient ruins, repair the broken walls, restore of streets with, with dwellings. The restore of streets for people to dwell in. This is language that, that is being spoken to those who are being led by the Lord. If you're being led by the Lord, if you are spending yourselves on behalf of others, you will rebuild that which has been torn down. You will repair that which be, has been destroyed. You'll restore the streets for people to once again live in. And so as I think back over the last couple of weeks and, and ask myself the question around where Amy and David have led us, what does it look like to make home? What does it look like to create a space to belong? And so I want to suggest that it goes beyond the walls of our own homes and it even goes beyond the walls of our own churches. The idea of making home and the idea, the idea of creating a place to belong is not just what takes place within the four walls of our own homes, our own houses, or even within the walls of our own church. I was asking Judith the question, like, what, what does it mean to feel at home? What does it feel like 
to to belong? What is it that you're what 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 language would you use? And maybe over dinner, even now, uh, I'll not be offended. Even while I'm talking, what what words come to mind? What is what is the most important thing to you that you know that you feel at home, that you know that you belong? For me, we have a different people that have come into our home that have been part of our that have been part of our family. And I've asked myself the question: what what is what is the most important thing? for us to create, for them to feel at home, for them to feel like they belong. Basic things, simple things like being feeling safe, feeling like they're protected, feeling like they're at peace, feeling that there is a place for them to flourish. That is what I want for everybody, for, for Judith and for Caleb and Eli and Jada and Katie. Everybody that, is, that comes into our home, that's what I want for them, to be safe, to be protected to be at peace, to flourish, for there to be joy. And what, like that's, I want all of those things. And I become aware, I become slightly aware, especially when there's people that have, been, that, that have come into our home, that if people aren't feeling that, if they're not feeling like they can flourish, if they're not feeling that they're safe or they're not feeling at peace, there's times that it maybe doesn't feel like home. As I consider that and I, and I begin to take us beyond the walls of our home and beyond the walls of our churches, how responsible do you feel? How responsible do you think that we are? I'm genuinely asking the question. How responsible are we to make those within our neighborhoods, within our communities, with those around us to feel at home? We are living in days that we, that we want to be light. That's, that's the sort of thing that we do as salt and light is to make those within our neighborhoods, to make those within our communities feel at home. I think, again, to go back to these verses that we've read, it is the Lord who is guiding this, this call to restoration. It is the Lord who is guiding us always into this, uh, into this place of reconciliation. And you all know as much as I do, you don't have to go on to, you don't have to be on social media for too long. You don't have to watch the news for too for too long to see and acknowledge that our world is fragmented, that our world is fractured, that our world is incredibly uncertain. And for me, I think that's why these words from Isaiah have felt like, like a prophetic word to take hold of in, a day, in days where society and things around us are fractured and fragmented and uncertain. There's a call, there's a desire, there's a need for, for restoration for rebuilding, for reconciliation. And so there's a couple of, there's just a couple of words that have, that have stood out to me as I've reflected on some of this over the last, um, over the last few days. One of the words that I'd love us to think about, again, one of the words I'd love you to, to consider around your dinner tables today is this word stability. Stability. And if you were to go into the dictionary, if, Take a quick scan, you'll see that this idea of stability is the strength to stand and endure. Really beautiful language, isn't it? It's uh, the strength to stand and endure, or it is the, when speaking of the human body, um, it's, it's the, to restore the original condition. Stability within the human body, it's to restore to the original condition. Or it can also mean a residence the residence for life in one monastery. 
And so we think of those that, that uh, monks and people like that that take up residency in one place for a lifetime. That's what stability looks like. And it feels like we're in, in the world, this fragmented, fractured world that we live in, we, this idea of stability rubs up against the, the, the culture that we find ourselves in, this individualistic culture, this, um, the, the language that I've come across this week, the myth of individualism and living above place are the things that, are, that have and continue to fragment the Western church. The myth of individualism and living above place. And I think those things are, 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 are contradictory or in contrast to this idea of stability. It's the greatest challenge. Again, I read it from a, from a blog this week, the greatest challenge to stability uh, in the Western church today is this myth of individualism and living above place. I'll continue, hopefully I'll continue to explain that as we go on. The, we, we, again, there's studies that have been done when we go back in the 50s and the 60s and we see the, the, how much more mobile that we became. The more mobile and the more programs that the church began to offer, it's created this, this culture of church shopping or church hopping, maybe is another way of putting it. I want to, I want to contrast that with what we've looked at over the last couple of weeks um, as we've just engaged once again with the Christmas story, this idea of the incarnation. John 1 verse 14 reminds us that Jesus took on flesh and he dwelt among us. The, 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 Eugene Peterson in the message says that he moved in, he took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. He, Jesus made his home among us. In the wonder of the incarnation, Jesus made his home among us. And what I've been thinking about is if, as I've reflected again on that over the last week or so, is that Jesus himself, like, and I don't know what you feel about this language, but Jesus, the son of God, he limited himself. He limited himself to one place and he gave himself fully to that one place. I think that's, that's what stability looks like. Limiting almost like this freedom to limit yourself to the one place and give yourself fully to that place. And so th this word stability has felt really, I just felt like the, almost like the momentum of it as I've reflected on it. It's that one virtue that is essential to our incarnational, incarnational understanding of God's mission. And so as I think about as we think of making a home to be, as making home as creating a place of belonging, I think that this word stability is really important. And it maybe sounds like a bit of a boring word. It doesn't sound very exciting, stability. But I feel like it's possibly that one virtue that is essential to our understanding of the of God's mission, of his incarnational uh, way of life. And I think the power of stability, and, and I think I've began to have these conversations with some of the people that are part of Grace Community Church, the power of stability is that we get the chance to get below the surface of those that are in our neighborhood, of those that are in our community, for those that are on our street. The power of stability is we get a chance to get below the surface. We get a chance to recognize the patterns 
of, of everyday life, we get a chance to become more sensitive. And this is probably even more significant. We get a chance to become more sensitive to work, the work that God is doing already around us. And again, it's really simple, and we've said it many times, God is already at work. He's always working. Sometimes I think we have this understanding that he's not, he's not at work until we show up. He's already at work. He's longing for people that will partner with him to go to those places, to go to the ancient ruins, to go to the, to the places of the broken walls, of the place of desolation, and partner with what he is already doing and what he is longing to do. To, to, to see the kingdom come, to see the kingdom advance as we partner with him and seeing wholeness and seeing, uh, and seeing people feel like they are home, feel like they belong. And it's not just, I'm not just talking about stability as an end in itself. Don't stability be this virtue that we think, well, I'm, I've stayed here in this little community for 20 years and that, it's not an end in itself. It's always oriented toward the health and the flourishing of, the, of those places. And so wherever you are today, wherever you are listening this morning, stability is always orientated toward the health and the flourishing of our places. It's not an end in itself. It's not some token. It's not some certificate that you're going to receive because you've stayed in the one place for a long period of time. It's not an end in itself. And another word that I would love us to reflect on, a number of weeks back, I think it was whether at the, the end of the year, at the start of the year, in between, uh, we talked around uh, routine behaviors and rootless behaviors. We talked about the importance of being rooted. And I think rooted is another one of those words that feels quite similar to the idea of being stable. We talked about the dangers of our routine behaviors that we can just keep on doing the same thing over and over again just for the sake of it. But we also talked about the other side of the coin, our, our rootless behaviors that, we, that we're not rooted anywhere, that we just are all over the place. And I think that, that what we talked about then also applies to this conversation. Not to, we're not wanting to do things routinely just for the sake of it. We're not wanting to do the programs and run the events that have done, that have that have always been done, that the church have always ran. We want, we want it to be more than that, but we don't want to just randomly do things as well. We want to be rooted. I think rooted is another good word for what I'm wanting us to reflect on. Because I think rooted, to be rooted is about staying put and paying attention. Staying put and paying attention. I think to be rooted is about coming to love your neighborhood, your whole neighborhood. And again, that's the question that I'm, that I'm asking. How responsible are we to make those within our neighborhoods, with those that are on our streets, those within our communities feel home, feel like they belong? And I think if we're going to take this seriously, we're going to, those, these words are going to be really important. Stability and to be rooted. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in your, in your daily patterns. We want to be challenged by this as a church, but we want to challenge you as well like, to, be, to, to provide stability or to provide, uh, to be rooted that you would maybe consider your patterns, you would consider your everyday habits. I think there is a way to, to carry out those everyday habits in your neighborhood, in your community that give you the opportunity 
to engage in what's happening. To not only engage with what God is already doing, what he is up to around us, but actually to engage in what is happening just in the everyday lives of those that make up our, 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 our towns or villages or whatever it is. I'm beginning to, I'm beginning to bring this to a close. I, I do honestly think that there's more conversation to be had around this than, than me just presenting theory or I think there's some things here for us to take hold of as individuals but as a, as a church community to work this, some of this stuff out together. But I, I this is maybe a silly example, but I am um, I'm sure, like, I'm sure I'm not different from many of you that unless you're incredibly holy, there has been the, the there's been many of you that have uh, picked up new series to watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime or wherever other social platforms or other platforms are available. But I uh, I always like to have something. So after dinner, I uh, I do the dishes. And uh, that is not, that's not tri- looking for any bonus points or anything like that. But because uh, I, because I can, I can be quite selfish about it actually, because one of the things that I've done is a long way around, isn't it? But one of the things that I, that I do is find a series that lasts about 20 minutes. Each episode lasts about 20 minutes that I can stick it up in the window and uh, watch an episode while I'm slowly doing the dishes. Uh, I'm particularly entertained, I'll take my time and scrub them really well to maybe watch too. But anyway, there's this series that I've been watching on Prime called Parks and Recreation. And, I, and I've really come to appreciate this because there's a character, and one of the main characters uh, is, a, is a girl called Leslie Nope. And, and I think why I've come to, to really value her character is because she is so passionate about this little community that she is living in. She's so passionate about it. And she works for the Parks and Recreation Department of this little town called Pawnee. Um, but there is a, she, 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 she meets this guy and on the surface, this guy is, he's perfect, ticks all the boxes, is, is, is all the right things that somebody would be looking for in a boyfriend. But the director, the director of the Parks and Recreation Department is a guy called Ron Swanson. And Ron Swanson explains to Leslie Nope, who is his assistant, why he doesn't like her boyfriend, who seems like such a good guy. And this is what he says. I was watching it this week, and this language just struck me. He said to Leslie, he's a tourist. He vacations or he holidays in people's lives he takes pictures, puts them in his scrapbook, and then moves on. All he's interested in are stories. Basically, Leslie, he's selfish, and you're not. And maybe you'll find that a stupid example, but I just found myself like having one of those moments where I'm listening to this thinking, like, that there's moment that I think my fear with that would is that could be said of the church. That because we're not, we're not we've not made our roots or we're not providing stability or consistency that it could be said of us that we are, we're like tourists 
We come in on our Sunday. We holiday in on our Sundays into people's lives. We take our pictures, we put them in our scrapbook, and then we move on. All that we're interested in is the stories, is the pictures, is getting, uh, is creating a bit of a scrapbook and then moving on. There's something about that that just almost felt like a, a holy moment. And that will then now continue to justify my wasting time of watching all of these series on TV. But anyway, it's, I think it, is, it, it just really caught my attention. And I think it is, it, is, um, it is a challenge for us as a church. It's a challenge for me. And I'm one of these people that want to be like one of those definitions of stability. I want, this, I want to be resident for life in this one place. And so with, when that is my hunger, then I'm, I'm asking these questions. How responsible am I to make those within my neighborhood feel at home, feel like they belong? What is it that you think? I've suggested some of my things. It's to be safe, to feel protected, to be at peace and to flourish. And I think for other people within our community to feel at home, that we want to see them flourish. We want to see those things that Isaiah spoke about begin to become a reality in our, in our streets and in our neighborhoods. That we begin to see things being, being repaired, begin to see things being restored. And I feel that the Lord was guiding, the Lord will guide you always, verse 11 says. And I think as we, as we take his lead, that's where he's going to take us. And that's why I would be suggesting that we are responsible. As followers of Jesus, as people that make up the body and the bride of Christ, that we are responsible. And so in this world that is fragmented and fractured, it desperately needs restoration, rebuilding, and reconciliation. And I think through, through, they're not sexy words, but through stability and being rooted, that that is what's going to happen. I think that is what Jesus did. And sometimes we don't realize it, but I think that's what Paul did too. Sometimes we think that Paul went all over the place randomly. But Paul stayed in Antioch for 18 months, I think it was. He stayed in, all, in these different cities for two, three years. Like, And it's maybe not the type of stability that, that I'm thinking about. I'm thinking I'm in this for the next for the next number of decades. But Paul did stay. He did stay to provide stability, to be rooted, to see the peace and the flourishing of the towns and the cities that the Lord had um, sent him. And so I, I really do hope there's enough there for us to, to to reflect on, to fire around in the WhatsApp or whatever, in the Facebook in the Facebook page, whatever. I think there is stuff here that I would love us to engage in. Because I think it's really important that we stay put and pay attention, that we come to love our neighborhood, our whole neighborhoods. So I think we're responsible to see, to begin to see them being restored and a place to make home, a place that they can belong. So let me pray for us. Um, I think we're done. Uh, but wherever you've watched today, um, I'm, I, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your homes. There are places of safety and protection and peace and flourishing. So, Father, I am so grateful for your word. I'm so grateful for the, so grateful that Jesus came, took on flesh and moved in and dwelt among us, made his home among us, limited himself to the one place and gave himself fully to it. 
And so as we consider how we follow the ways of Jesus, I pray that that would be in our minds today. We would, um, even our, like, our international travel, our, our ability to travel any further than 10 miles is restricted at the moment. So I pray that you would help us to be, to be stable and rooted within a 10-mile radius over the next number of weeks. And we begin to pay attention to what it is that you're doing. God, you would give us such a sensitivity to, to seek the peace and the prosperity and the well-being of all. To see the safety and the flourishing of those that are all around us. Jesus, I am so grateful for the, the life that you live for us to follow. And has never led us through our communion, God. We, uh, we, we acknowledge your death and your resurrection, God. And I pray that that would be also the example that we follow. God, putting the death of our own stuff, our own idols, and our own idleness. Um, yeah, so Father, I just pray for every home. Pray for every home that is on Zoom right now, every home that is on Facebook or YouTube or wherever they're watching it from. And I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would bring a peace and a steadiness of heart and mind for your glory, for your fame. Um, and so we bless you. We thank you for this time to be together. Would you encourage us this day, this week, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Um,